1901, a woman by the name of Annie Taylor climbed into a barrel so that she could ride that barrel over Niagara Falls, the first person to do so. The reason for her crazy endeavor? She was struggling to make ends meet, and she was hoping for fame and financial security. It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage, a faith and family mortgage team that tries to improve your financial outlook without having to ship you over a 170-foot waterfall. Our mortgage team happens to be an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender, which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls. There's no middleman. This advantage often allows us to get you a better rate, which can save you monthly and lifelong money through a refinance, or help you with a cash-out refinance, cashing out some of your home's equity to use for life. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Melville Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Corporate NMLS number 1330. Equal housing lender. Not licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Utah. We're about to dive into a conversation that really helps us with our focus. Yes, our focus on God in our lives, actually. We were talking about this earlier this morning, how if we really believe that God was with us, wouldn't it change our behavior? And so we're going to get into a conversation with author Jonathan Griffiths. And uh, he writes that our constant danger is that we have a view of God that is too small. So we're going to learn more about God alone. And uh, Jonathan is a lead pastor at the Metropolitan Bible Church in Ottawa, Canada. He studied theology at the University of Oxford, holds a PhD in New Testament studies from the University of Cambridge. He's written several books on Hebrews, Second Timothy, preaching, and he's deeply committed to expository preaching, loving to train and mentor others in word ministry. Well, welcome, Pastor Jonathan, to Mornings with Tom and Tobby. Well, thank you so much for your welcome and for having me. It's great to be with you. Well, you know, Jonathan, we live in this me-focused and treat-yourself kind of a world, you know, a world that that really encourages us to fixate on ourselves. But uh, life turned inward rather than focused on God brings <clears throat> not good stuff. Yeah. We'll just <laughs> say that. So in, in this book that we're going to be talking about right now that you wrote called God Alone, you make this statement that we do not know God as we should. Would you unpack that statement for us? Yeah, well, absolutely. I think that's, first of all, a personal statement, a personal reflection. As I kind of entered into this study of the attributes of God, which is, which is really what this book is comprised of, I was just conscious that I didn't know God as I ought to know Him, and I felt that for our church family here in, in, in Ottawa, Canada, you know, we, I, I think as a church family, we didn't know Him as we ought. And, and one of the ways that sort of expressed itself and made itself evident was, you know, in thinking about various issues we face in the Christian life, challenges, trials, you know, whether it be a relational challenge or a financial challenge or a health challenge, you know, we so often go to treating the symptoms of the issue, but so often underlying our concern and our weakness of approach to life's challenges is the fact that we haven't learned to trust God for who He is. We haven't understood the, the fullness of His power and His capacity um, to, to address the situations we face and to, and to form us into the people He's called us to be. So I felt we just need to go back to the foundations and deal with kind of the root issue. And that was the impetus behind the study. Mm. And you say that every Christian should care about encountering God through theology, through the study of God, even if they're not a pastor or professor. How do we do that? 
Well, I, I think as, as Christian people, as followers of Jesus Christ, as those who know him and, and, and trust him, you know what, we are theologians, each one of us, because we're those who have come to know God through his word, and we're people who are committed to the Bible, to being learners at the feet of Jesus through the scriptures. And one of the delightful things for me is I, I, I sort of undertook this study, first of all, in our church context, with some Sunday preaching, preaching through the attributes of God. And one of the really delightful things for me was actually the appetite of our church family, really to dig into the Bible to get to know God better. It was a very wonderful experience. And of course, in any church family, and all of us, we've got a range of backgrounds and a range of uh, experiences and a range of sort of depth of understanding. But I just found from, from you know, children through adults, through those who have been walking with the Lord for 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, there was a shared hunger and a willingness to, to search the scriptures. And that's really all we're called to do, to be, you know, learners at the feet of Jesus, those who delight in his word and long to know him better. And, and God, by his spirit, helps us when we have that appetite and that interest. Okay, that is wonderful. You're hearing the voice of Jonathan Griffiths. We're kind of walking through these principles that are coming about in his book called God Alone, His Unique Attributes and How Knowing Them Changes Us. And so I I just want to pull us back into the attributes of God here for just a moment. And how does it work? I mean, if us understanding truly the attributes of God, how does that kind of lead us into these things that we crave, which is somebody to trust, someone to put our hope in, and and that joy that we so desperately crave? Yeah. Well, it's a little counterintuitive, isn't it? Because when we think about in, in a sense, our felt needs, you know, I want, a, I want a deeper experience in the Christian life, or I want to grow in my trust, or I want to do better in the battle with sin, or, or, or these things. You know, we, we tend to go for the quick fix. We're, you know, we are a culture and a society that delights in quick fixes, um, and in having our needs met rapidly and without too much effort. So it's a little counterintuitive to say, let's step back from the immediate felt need, as it were, and let's just dig deeper into the Bible to see who God is. But what we discover when we, when we desire to really know Him and to look upon Him as He, as he is presented to us in, in the Bible, in the Word of God, what we discover is that knowing Him feeds our soul, and it, and it gets us, it sort of reorients us, it gets us into the right place to be able to uh, meet life's challenges and to grow in, in Christ-likeness. So, you know, for instance, one of the attributes we, we, we look at in the book in some detail is God's omnipotence. Uh, that is, that God is all-powerful, there's no limitation to his power. And, and that's something that we really need to stand back and, and think upon, and, and we need to study the Bible to have an understanding of it, and we need to pray over it to really allow it to sink into our soul. But when we do that, we, we come to see that, you know, the, the particular challenge that I've been, I've been facing in life, and I've wondered, is God sufficient for this? Can God meet me in this need? I, 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 as I understand God's omnipotence, I come to see I can trust him with this. Or, or when I'm facing a discipleship challenge and I'm not growing as I want to be growing in the Christian life, or I'm not dealing with sin as I want to be dealing with sin in the Christian life, and I think, am I beyond help? You know, am I, am I a lost cause here? Sometimes we feel like that. And, and we think about the omnipotence of God, and we say, no, there's no one who's a lost cause, because there is no limitation to the power of God. So these things become, become very practical very quickly, actually, which is, which is a wonderfully sort of enriching discovery within the study of the attributes of God. Okay. 
Well, you know, I I promised I was going to ask this question about discomfort, <laughs> about God's um, attributes, and and I I know that this is something you've probably worked through um, in many ways, and many of us are working through it. But I'm reading through the Bible this year, and um, in the Old Testament, you know, in the conquest of the land, I get really uncomfortable with the uh, attribute of God when it's not on my side. I think it's the attribute of His justice. And when he is exacting justice on the peoples through um, them being um, basically destroyed. And but it's it's hard for me uh, and I guess my Western mindset to understand this part of God. Um, so there's an attribute maybe of God that's particularly challenging for many of us to grasp. And uh, maybe we don't understand it or it, it does make us uncomfortable. Tell us about that. Well, I think it's a I think it's a, a a very accurate observation, you know, that the attributes of God can make us quite uncomfortable. And I've actually sensed this as I've worked through the study of the attributes of God. That basically every attribute has the capacity, as we engage with it in Scripture, um, to discomfort us and to unsettle us. Uh, to humble us before God, and then once it's done that, as we as we again engage with the teaching of the Word of God and are pointed to who God is, we, we're then, as we trust in Christ, we're encouraged and we're built up through the very same truth. So, you know, various of the attributes we think about in in the book, I think, do that. So, you know, for instance, one one that we look at is God's omnipresence, the idea that God is present everywhere. There's nowhere we can go that He is not, and and. That truth has the capacity, I think, to really unsettle us, especially if we are those who are, you know, in a season where we're actually we're, we're, we're kind of running away from the Lord, and there may be those listening who are in pre- precisely that season right now, you know, and, and thinking maybe there's, there's a place I can go or a situation I can go into where I can actually just get a bit of distance and maybe the Lord won't even see what I'm up to and what I'm doing. And, you know, you think about the, the prophet Jonah who tried to run, and it didn't go well for him. There was nowhere he could go that God wasn't because he's omnipresent. And that's, that's unsettling, I think, if we're not in a place where we're seeing Seeking to walk with the Lord, mm. but 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 then having been unsettled, once we turn to Christ and we and we and we seek to walk with Him and we're trusting in Him, we find that it's the most comforting truth in all the world. You know that He is omnipresent. I was just reading in our in our media up here in Canada yesterday of the epidemic of loneliness among seniors in our society. Mm. Um, the number of seniors who are living with no no family and, and very few connections of friendship within the community, you know, quite isolated in old age, and how that's become a huge social problem for us in, in our city here, actually. And I, I was reflecting upon that with respect to, you know, the attribute of God's omnipresence and thinking, for the Christian believer, what a comfort to know that there's nowhere I can be, no situation I can find myself in where God is not with me, because he is, he is everywhere, he's omnipresent. So, so that attribute, just as an example, has this capacity to unsettle us and to comfort us at the same time. And, and I think we discover that actually, as we go through all the attributes, it's true. Okay, you're hearing the voice of Jonathan Griffiths, and and we're learning about the attributes of God and how they can truly help us understand Him a little bit better. And I just wanted to ask this particular question, as you're just talking kind of globally about God's omnipotence and His omnipresence, but I'm wondering for you, Jonathan, what is the one attribute of God that He's revealing to you, and you're learning to know Him better through that attribute? 
Well, I'm learning all the time. And the wonderful thing about the Bible is, you know, there's never a point where we stop learning or we feel like we've conquered the Bible. Uh, it's such a rich experience to be a student at the feet of Jesus and to be a student of his words. But yeah, in this study, there have been various attributes of God that have struck me afresh. And I thought I didn't, I didn't have a full understanding of that. Or I hadn't thought about that until I gave myself to, to a more focused study of it. Uh, so, so one attribute was really interesting, and we tackle in the book, is the attribute of God's uh, self-sufficiency, or the or theologians say his aseity, but, it, it, but the, the idea that God is not reliant upon anyone or anything for his being, for his existence, or his sustaining of his, his existence, nor for his blessedness, his happiness. God is, God is utterly content in and of himself within the Godhead, within the Trinity. He's not, he's not looking outward for his emotional needs to be met or anything like that, like a human being. And, and as I say it like that, you know, if we believe that there is a God, we, we would imagine that he would be something like that. It, it makes sense that God would not be needful of others if he is God. But I think that's an attribute of God, which is, is, is clearly taught in the Bible, but we may not, uh, instinctively believe or understand. And one place where the rubber kind of hits the road for me in that is just thinking about my own participation in Christian life and in Christian service, because I think I often fall into the trap of imagining that on some level, God kind of needs my contribution. <laughs> I don't know if you can resonate with this, but you know, in, in ministry, okay, so I'm in, engaged in full-time ministry and I have that privilege. Easy for me to imagine God kind of needs my ministry, you know, my contribution to the kingdom. But of course, he doesn't need me. I'm his creature. He, he, he gives me the privilege of participation, but he doesn't need me. Or, or, you know, in terms of Christian giving, and if we're followers of Jesus, we want to be generous to the work of the kingdom. And, you know, we, we can easily think, you know, the church needs my money. Uh, you know, the ministry needs my money. God needs my money. Well, no, no, he doesn't. He, he's, he's entrusted funds to me as a privilege for me to be able to use them for his glory, but he doesn't need my contribution. He's not, he's not in need because he's, he's God. And that's an interesting one to think, think around. And then we, our perspective changes and we think, what a privilege it is that I, as his creature, am called to serve him and to participate when he doesn't need me, but he, he gives me that, that wonderful and joyful opportunity. And it, it changes my attitude, actually. Yeah, it changes mine too. Thank you so much for yeah. pointing that out because we do start believing, even though we don't say it, that yeah, God could really use me because I'm here for Him, and <laughs> and amazing things can happen as I, you know, and it starts becoming more mm. me centric than God centric. So thank you so much for sharing that with us just now, Jonathan. Mm-hmm. And just as we're wrapping up, wanted to ask this question: So many um, of us, especially here in the South, have grown up in the church, and um, sometimes we're just kind of even at a stale place, how can people who've been Christians for a long time renew their interest in encountering and understanding the living God? I, that happens, doesn't it? I mean, I think we can all go through seasons where we're really, we're pushing forward and we're growing and, and there's enthusiasm and joy, and then there can be more stale seasons. I think that's true for anyone who lives the Christian life long enough. And the only thing I can say is that the Bible is a very, very wonderful treasure. It's a, it's a mine, actually, full of treasure. 
And in stale seasons, I think we need to just, we, we need to come against the Word of God, and maybe to a part of the Word of God we haven't read in a while, and I, I loved hearing about how you're reading through the whole Bible and are in parts of the Old Testament that are a bit challenge, challenging, you know, and mm-hmm. stretching. And I think we need to return once again to the Word of God and immerse ourselves in it and perhaps begin a fresh study of it, because it is the Word of God that God uses to refresh and renew us. I've I've got a grandfather who's 101 years old, uh, retired pastor, um, who's who's lived his life walking with the Lord, really, and and teaching the Word of God. And what's interesting to me chatting with him is he is each day discovering new things in the Bible. Uh, you know, he's I guess he's 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 got lots of time, and uh, he spends his day in the Word of God. It seems to me pretty much most of the day, and he's discovering new things. And I think at 101 having been in full-time Christian ministry for decades and decades and decades. Isn't that a testament to the richness of the Word and to the, the possibility of new discovery all the time?